Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode of Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello! Hello, hello. Today is a bonus episode day. We are bringing you our part two, which is going to cover episode three on the Aaron Hernandez case. If you did not listen to part one, pause this one and go back. That dropped this past Monday. You can check that out and it'll get you up to speed. But if you are new here, hello and welcome. Like we explained in the last one, our documentary recaps are a little bit more laid back. We leave it as just a discussion, things like that. So it's a little different than our normal format. And if you would like to hang out with us on social media, there's a link tree down below. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fantastic stuff. And our handle is just at Three Spooked Girls. And we also have a Facebook group you can come interact with us as well in. That is Three Spooked Girls Official. And speaking of socials, we have a giveaway on Instagram that we posted up yesterday. We are partnering with our friends over at Death Wish Coffee. We're giving away two big badass care packages for you guys. If you would like to see what all you get, head over there and check that out. And lastly, if you would like to support the show, you can either go to the link tree or go to patreon.com slash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get bonus episodes each month. This month, we're getting an extra one in there for you guys because we are covering the Ted Bundy Amazon documentary that just dropped recently-ish. And we also, in our time, we recorded the first two episodes of Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews, and that's all kinds of fun stuff for our two and up patrons. So if you'd like to check it out, head on over there. So with that, we're going to go ahead and start on episode three. So they're still in court for this same case for the double murder, and they play an audio clip of when the cops are talking to Alexander, trying to figure out, like, hey, who shot you? Like, what the fuck happened? You know, things like that. And Alexander's not telling them, and he does admit the reason why he didn't tell them was because he wanted to take care of Aaron himself and get revenge. And then it's interesting, too, because they show Aaron during this time, and he's just got this look like, what? What? I shot you in the face? You want to kill me? What? (laughs) Like, literally the whole time Alexander Bradley is talking, Aaron is just like, were we on the same, and we were in the same car? (laughs) Were we on the same plane? I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was really interesting because Mm -hmm. during a lot of his trials, he's very, like, stoic and doesn't show much emotion. Right. Which we'll talk about later. So after the Alexander thing, it said that Aaron went out and this is when he's bought like all of his surveillance cameras for his house and things like that. Mm -hmm. On top of that, he also purchased an armored car and a ton of weapons. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, if you shot a dude in the face and he lived. Uh Uh-huh. That's not very good for you, is it? Right. However... (laughs) Very quickly after that, I'm like, you just did something more stupid. Right. Yeah. And this is also, he also keeps two of his, I like that the documentary calls them associates. (laughs) His associates. I'm just like, okay. But yeah, this is, I didn't write their last names down, but their names are Ernest and Carlos. These are bad dudes as well. They are drug dealers. They are sketchy. Well, they're like, they're like bad dudes, but they're like, they're like middle bad dudes. They're not like Alexander level bad dudes, but they're still not people Aaron should have been around. 
No, like one of the dudes, I think Ernest, like the only time he actually served was when he stole bikes. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, you're like the guy from We're the Millers. I get it. You know what I mean? Like Aaron's shooting people in the face. Like dude's already on a bad. (laughs) Allegedly shooting people in the face. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Allegedly shooting people in the face. I'm sorry. Nobody at me for not the words in there now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just because it's like, here's the other thing that I think is really interesting about that is it's like Alexander Bradley is like, he shot me in the face. But when they're like interviewing him, Mm. he's like, like, I don't know who shot me. And then on the witness stand, they're like, why didn't you tell the police? And he's like, because I wanted to get revenge on him. I'm like, hold hold on. Conspiracy to commit murder, dick faces. Like, come on. They don't care. This is Massachusetts. This this was a legit court. Like you're letting a guy get up on the stand and be like, no, I didn't tell the police who shot me. So that's like, I knew who shot me. I'm interfering. What is that like? Interfering with an investigation, like all of these things. And I'm legitly telling people that I'm going to kill him as revenge. So you have this dude who's bad, but like, He's the character witness against Aaron Hernandez. Are you fucking kidding me? Right, exactly. Problematic, to say the least. So during all of that, timeline-wise, it's back to April 2013. The Pats end up getting Aaron an extra apartment. And essentially, this turns into like his man cave. This is where he goes to smoke weed. This is where he goes to chill out. This is where he's got his separate life from his Home life. I just have to say that I adore his neighbor. Like, she goes to court in that, like, grandma sweater with, like, the birds on it. Like, she's got a Boston Red Sox hat hanging on her door. She's got, like, a dream catcher and feathers. I'm like, I won't be your neighbor. <laughs> you look cool. Right. <laughs> like, she looks like she probably would make you special brownies. Probs. Probs. You know. You never know. But again, this, of course, is going to support that he's doing this double life thing because she goes and says, like, when he ended up getting arrested, I didn't even know he had a house. He came out of a mansion. (laughs) It was funny. (laughs) Right. No, that was my favorite. The description of him when he, like, first comes in and she's like, oh, you're my neighbor. And she's like, he's in a hoodie and it's hot out and he's wearing sweatpants and I said, hi, you must be my new neighbor. Glad to meet you. And he just grunted at me. It's like, lady, he doesn't know you. Like, he doesn't know what you're about. He doesn't know if you're friendly or like you're going to like recognize him and take pictures and sell them to TMZ. Like, he don't fucking know your ass. Like, calm down, grandma sweater. Calm down. (laughs) But I also like that she was like, it, at first I smelled the air fresheners and then it smelled weird and it was an awful smell. And they're like, can you describe the smell? And she's like, I don't know. And you can tell like I'm watching her. I'm like, she's trying to figure out how to tell people it smelled like pot without saying it smelled like pot. <laughs> she's like, it started to smell like skunk, not a skunk. It started to smell like skunk. And I was like, bitch, you're describing weed. And I liked his face, how he's just like, he kind of looked like offended, which I was just like, right. That's your big concern right now. Come on. No, 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 like, no, because this is what this is the headline that would have been like Aaron Hernandez smokes skunk weed. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) He was a marijuana connoisseur at this point. Like, if there was like a like a sommelier for pot, Aaron Hernandez was it. I mean, he smoked every day since like he was 15. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) With this stuff, that's really hard to watch and get through, because let me be real. I am like stone cold black heart shit doesn't affect me. But I cried twice during this watching this. She texted me this morning and was like concerned about me watching it because I'm the emotional one. And I watched it and I was like, I didn't. I mean, I I got like emotional because here's the thing. Like, I think he's a murderer, but I also like Aaron Hernandez. His favorite books are Harry Potter. Yeah. Aaron Hernandez is like a 15 year old boy. That's what's so breaking hard about this is that he literally was like this grown up boy that was given all of this money, all of this freedom, all of this power without a really good, like solid mentor in his life. Shit, that's not even why I cried. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, that no, that's like why my my heart feels for him. Yeah. You know, like you when you look at him when he's at the University of Florida, when he's playing for the Gators, like. 
Urban Meyer was like his football coach and he was religious and he like invested into each one of his players. And Aaron came to his house and had Bible study and played with his kids and hung out around his wife. Mm -hmm. And when Aaron was there, Aaron was good. Like he probably still smoked. Yeah. But like he wasn't making too many bad decisions. Right. Right. Like a couple like there's that alleged like he shot some dudes in the car, but like there's no proof it was him. The description was like a guy that looked like a Hawaiian or a Hispanic male. That would be like if in someone in California said it was a Hispanic guy that doesn't narrow down your pool very much, you know, so it's kind of like, wait a, wait a second. I mean, and I, here's the thing. I don't know if Aaron Hernandez shot those two others in that car, anything else. All I can say is that I think if he, if someone had really sat down and was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, what's really going on with you? This may have had a different outcome. We have to stop enabling people to be the worst of themselves and start promoting people to be the best of themselves. I agree. And then it's also mentioned like very, very briefly that Aaron and Odin are at a nightclub about two days before he is murdered. And Aaron gets angry at him for some reason. But this reason is ambiguous and we don't know. It's kind of mentioned in passing. Like there could have been something that caused a motive. We don't know. Speculation, speculation, speculation. Right. I mean, because they show some video and they show like Aaron is dancing with a girl and Odin is watching him. Yeah. So that could be a motive is that like Odin was going to be like, I'm going to fucking tell your fiance that you're out dancing with a girl. But it's like you're at a club and he's dancing and like, I get it that that's can, depending on your relationship, that could be considered inappropriate. It, I don't know their relationship. I don't know what she says. Like, maybe she's like, you can go dance with girls. You just can't do anything else with girls. I don't know. I'm not them. Right. But there is the speculation that somehow Odin found out about his sexuality that he's kept private and that maybe he saw that as a threat to him. However, we don't know because we can't ask either of them. Right. Yeah, because also during this time, we get introduced to an NFL player who was on the Pats for a period of time. His name is Ryan O'Callaghan. And, you know, he played around the same time. And he talks about how the at this time, you know, like the early 2000s and I don't know what to call this decade or that decade, the 10s, teens, whatever. The early 2010s. Early 2010s. How there wasn't any out players, you know, people were scared to talk about this. They didn't feel like they would be accepted, you know, things like that. So I feel like his insight's just really important with this, especially if the sexuality they are talking about with Aaron and stuff is true, you know, like it could give insight on the internal struggle he had because uh, later on Ryan talks about his own stuff he went through and things like that. Oh my gosh. His story is just so, it makes me sad because you know that there are so many people like him. Yeah, this is, this was one of the things too that like made me cry. He talks about how, well, first off, this really, this was like before, you know, he's like, I always just stayed overweight and stuff because I use that as a cover up. Like I thought if I was unattractive and stuff, like, People wouldn't suspect anything of me or wonder why I didn't have a girlfriend and, you know, things like that. That made me so sad because it felt like he was literally putting on an armor to, like, protect himself. Mm -hmm. It's like a double-edged sword. Like, in his mind, he's thinking, like, what girl's going to date a guy that gets up to 370? And, you know, it's just like, he's like, I tried to come off as a sloppy male. And then it's also like... It protects him with his actual sexuality because if he's thinking like women won't date him, what man is going to date him? It just I wanted to hug him. <laughs> I know. And then he talks about after the NFL or I believe it was towards the end of his career. He decides to go see a therapist because he's like he says he thinks for other people who had or have the same struggle that they use football as a beard. He said for himself, he definitely did because there was that close minded thing that, you know, gay men didn't play football or whatever. So he thought that was another thing to protect him. Right. It was getting towards the end of his career. I, I don't know if like he was hurt or anything or he was just done or 
whatnot, but he's seeing a therapist and stuff. And he's just like, fuck it. Like, he's actually talking to this person and things like that. And like, thank God he had a good therapist because she is like, you are not the first one. You are not the second one. And you're not going to be the last one. Right. And he admits about his suicidal thoughts and everything because he says like he was going to play football and then that was going to be it. And he was going to be done and he was going to go kill himself. That broke my heart. Yeah. She says to him, well... Basically, he says it like, if you're going to do this anyway, you might as well go talk to your parents or go tell your parents or something like that. Right. And so he has this conversation with them and they think that he's got like a terminal illness or something just because of how he approached it. Because, you know, he of course, he's scared and he said they were like relieved, you know, kind of thing. So it wasn't the worst case scenario. I guess he thought it was going to be. And then after that, he said a few years later, he he did go pub. Like, obviously, he's went public since then. And then the owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft, ends up calling him directly and just tells him, like, thank you, like, for being brave, for doing this, you know, for being an example for other players who are struggling with this. Because, like, while it's prob- it's not talked – I don't know, you know, I'm not in that culture, so I don't know if this is even talked about really now. But it's like at that time, you know, it wasn't talked about. Mm-hmm. Essentially having that platform for people to, like, be like, it's okay for me to be me. Right. The way I look at it is, even if it's being talked about today, like, I don't understand it. Like, I just sincerely do not understand why people still have a problem with it. Like, if someone's sexuality is different than yours, like, what does that do to you? Like, how does it affect you? I get, like, I get this old stereotype where, like, they were taught that, like, homosexuals would, like, attack heterosexuals because they were predatory. But obviously, we know now that that's not a thing. So, like, I just don't understand, like, why can't we just celebrate people for being people? And there's so many wonderful people in the world who probably haven't done things. Like, I keep thinking about, like, where could we be, like, in science? Where could we be in, like, culture? Because there's so many people who they don't go and do things because they're afraid of how they'll be judged or how their sexuality will come across or how their race will come across. And it's like, fuck people who are mean. I mean, I know sometimes I'm mean and I know sometimes like I'm human. I can get judgy, but like my deep core value and I believe Tara's is the same. I mean, we are the same person. <laughs> um, You know, is that who the fuck cares what other people think about you? Like, you're awesome. And, you know, safe space here. Always safe space here. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's just it's fucking heartbreaking. And I mean, I grew up with parents who were very close minded. Anything you have to say to your parents, like legitly, if it's negative, they fucking deserve it. They're they're trash monsters. I know, but I want to say this legitly. I have your back eight days a week, all the time, no matter what. And like, you know, all our listeners are the same. And you and I want to say this. You don't have to share anything you don't want to share. No, I know. But I'm just like just hearing about them describing his dad being hateful. I grew up with that. And it's just it's just why like (laughs) it took me until I was in my mid 20s to say anything to anybody. And, you know, like. It's just ridiculous because, you know, you should be able to be who you want to be. And it just breaks my heart that people think the only way you can is to kill yourself or, you know, like you can't be here or whatever. Or, you know, you get this anger because I feel like this was a part of it, you know, I'm going to just assume, like, we don't know because he's dead, but I'm going to assume Aaron was probably bisexual if the stuff that happened was true. But it's like, I'm bisexual. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. You don't hurt anybody because it's that fucking saying of, if you're not fucking me or paying my bills, what right do you have to say into my fucking life? You fucking don't. Hold on. Even if they are fucking you or paying your bills, they still don't have a right to say anything about it. 
See, like, it pisses me off because, like, I pretty much hit on, like, the heterosexual things. Like, I appreciate women and I think women are beautiful and, you know, and that stuff. But I don't know about that side of me because I've never sat around and thought about it or even given it a thing. Like, I'll be honest, I've had those, like, drunk college makeout sessions with girls. But I think what people need to stop doing is people need to stop fucking putting so much pressure on their kids to be a box, like be one thing. And like the way I look, like I remember kind of when I was coming up or coming around the age, like homosexuality was something that was like, okay, people can be gay. But like bisexuality was not like where we were, like bisexuality was not a thing. You either had to be gay or you had to be straight. And if you were in the middle I don't mean that like that, but if you were bisexual, you were a selfish asshole. That's basically what I grew up with. Right. Or bisexual is a cover for people who just don't want to be labeled as gay. And I'm like, that's such bullshit. Or the slut shaming side of it where they just want any attention they can get and things like that, too. Like it wasn't trying to understand. It was let's blame this person for how they are. I think you can love whoever the fuck you want to love. And that's the bottom line. Like. And like when you came out to me, which was like, I love you. And I only giggle at this because you did it in such a way that you were like, you tiptoed it into a conversation. And I remember you telling me and my reaction in my head was different than came out because like in my head was like, oh, my God, look at her. She's so brave. But on the outside, I was like, no, no, Jessica, don't do that. Tara doesn't do emotion well. Like, don't do that. Do like, and I was just like, it's whatever. Like, I remember you told me in like a, like, I think it was like a completely innocuous situation. Like we, I was making chili and you were talking about something different and you were like, well, you know, cause like I'm bisexual and I like girls. And so like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, okay. But inside I was like, what? Hold on. We're best friends. And you've never told me this. Not, and not in a way like (laughs) creepy, like, oh my God, like I've slept near you. Like, obviously I still have slept near you (laughs) since this happened, but like (laughs) literally like last week, (laughs) right? It was more like, oh my God, Tara, this is so brave of you because like, I know your parents and I know the upbringing you've had. And I know like, I've heard the shit that's come out of your dad's mouth. Yeah. Like, so for me, and I'm not, you know, I don't care. Fuck them. If they're listening, fuck them because (laughs) Tara is a beautiful person and you guys are totally the worst people and you know it. You know it. But like, honest to God, like you told me that and I was just like inside. I was like, yeah, you get to be you. You finally like you get to live your truth. And that's all I want for anyone is to be able to comfortably live their truth. Yeah, for sure. And I love you more for it. (sighs) So everybody love everybody, as Will Ferrell says. (laughs) So at this point in the trial, they discuss more in detail and also show some photos of Odin. He was shot multiple times. The first time he was shot in the car, and that's, you know, that's they found the the bubblicious shell in the car. So that's that one. Then him and they're saying Aaron and possibly the other two guys, Ernest and Carlos, get out of the vehicle. At this time, Odin is shot in the arm the clavicle and it comes out his back. He's thought to have like ducked down maybe to protect himself or because obviously he's hurt. And then now he is. And then at that point he is shot in the back of the neck and it runs down his spine, which of course seriously disables him at this point. Yeah. And then the final two shots are shot into him to kill him. Mm -hmm. And his body was found and they were in this like kind of, kind of looks like a rock yard type of area like it had a lot of gravel and like mounds and just secluded and there wasn't any lights or anything like that so as terrible as it is to say it's like somewhere ideal like whoever did kill him they knew what they were doing like they knew to go out like you know what i'm saying that this was not an accident they ended up there something that happens that uh aaron was not expecting i think most people are kind of shocked so nobody from the nfl nobody wants association with this. Like Jessica said, Tim Tebow and also I think Gronkowski, they kind of just shut shit down. First of all, I will say for Gronkowski, he he just is like, or no, I think that might have been Tim Tebow. They were like, I got told not to talk about this and uh, I get paid to do what I'm told. So we ain't talking about it. But you can tell that I feel like personally, you can see Gronkowski cared about Aaron because when this reporter just kept on and on and on, he got the fuck up and he's like, I'm done. I'm not talking about this. Like, fuck you without saying fuck you. No, that interview where like, because there's like, what, seven people being interviewed? Yeah. 
and like he's sitting on a couch and they're like tell us more about aaron hernandez tell us more about aaron hernandez he's like i'm i'm done i'm out mm-hmm. he's because at first they were like oh we're not allowed to talk about it yeah like he tried to be cordial right and this was like after conviction this was like i believe after he had committed suicide possibly yeah. Uh, spoilers in case anyone hadn't figured it out or googled yet but like he just got and so like i agree with you i think at that point in time he's just like because no matter what like aaron and him were friends they were teammates they start at the same time they were on the opposite like they played the same position opposite side like let's be real like the patriots were honestly like almost unstoppable during that time and it had a lot to do with aaron hernandez and gronkowski like they're i can't i don't know his first name i'm sorry gronkowski I'm not a Patriots fan. Rob? Maybe. That feels right. I don't know. But like, you know, that had to be hard on that team. Yeah. No, for sure. Anyway, Robert Kraft comes walking in. One of the reporters that was there was like, you see Aaron not look like once or twice. You see he looks back over his shoulder about six times. Everyone's shocked that Robert is there. But the thing is that, and this this obviously did not help Aaron at all. When Robert's on the stand, he's talking about how Aaron had reached out to him after all of this first started because, of course, it's one of their players. So they're going to help them if they can, because at that point they thought he was innocent because, you know, he was saying he is. Mm -hmm. He says to him, he's like, I couldn't have done it. I'm going to be so glad when this timeline comes out because I was at the club. I was out clubbing when he got murdered and all this shit. And people are like, wait a second. How do you know when he was murdered if the timeline of. Like, his time of death and shit hasn't been released. So people are like, what? Well, you could also say, like, if he was killed, like, that night. Because I thought that, too. But then I thought about it, like... He knows what night he died, obviously. Right. Because they're like, oh, he was found. And, like, this is the day he was killed. Like, he could be like, I was out partying all that night. Like, I was in the the area, but, like, wasn't with him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So after this, they kind of show us the wrap-up and they talk about that. So the defense changes their story from Aaron had nothing to do with this, Aaron wasn't there, et cetera, et cetera, to yes, he was there, but it wasn't him. That he was caught up in with the bad crowd, with these bad guys, and he was just scared and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of thing. And then the prosecution doesn't say anything. They take us to a surveillance clip and they let it speak for itself. They show a clip from Aaron's home, and it's Aaron and uh, the other two guys, and they're just hanging out in his living room, playing with his baby daughter. At, th- at that time, she was a baby. And he lets the other two guys, like, hold her, play with her. You know, they're joking around. Right. They're hugging when they say goodbye, things like that. They hang out by the pool. They eat lunch. So their point with that is showing Aaron Hernandez is not scared of these guys. If he was, one, why would they be at his house in this manner? It would be a totally different situation. Why would he try, if he was afraid of them and saw this and everything, why would he allow his child to be in the hands of them if they just killed one of his friends type of thing? Right. I mean, you know, I will always play the devil's advocate. Oh, no, it's fine. I'm just explaining what they said. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I know what you're doing. I always like to throw up like an opposition, like even if I don't believe it, because I'm like, I really want people to be like, okay, this could be it. Because the truth is, is that Aaron could have been scared and Aaron could have thought like, if I just play along, like everything's good because it's just it's not there's no audio. It's just video. Right. So you don't know what's being said. And like, it could be that like Aaron's like, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to play along like everything's cool. And like. If they were used to hanging out, holding his kid, hanging by the pool, eating lunch, all that shit, like doing anything different could put his child's life in danger. Like, think about that. Like, if they were like, oh, we always hold her. Like, why won't you let us hold her? If they're like cold hearted killers, they might not. They might kill her. Right. Exactly. And you don't know. And we and we'll, ne- we'll never know. And I mean, I think it makes him look more guilty. For sure. And I don't think my theory is accurate, but (laughs) I just wanted to throw that out there as like an opposition. Yeah, no, definitely. And then so, you know, like jury deliberates all of that. And Aaron is convicted of first degree murder. And he just just stonewalls like there's no emotion. There's no nothing. So it's probably also one of those things where it's like this is probably 
sadly, the first time, whether he did it or not, depending on what you think, the first time Aaron Hernandez is held accountable for something. True. Since being Aaron Hernandez. Right. So then we jump to October 2015 Mm -hmm. to a phone call from another cousin of Aaron's, and she... She has the hard task of letting him know that Tanya has passed away or the cancer has spread. Right. And then right after that, we find out she has passed away. And then this is when we have that phone call that you kind of referred to earlier between Shay and Aaron, you know, letting him know he's not alone, that she's going to be there for him and, you know, trying to comfort him because of the close relationship that he had with Tanya. Right, because I could see where Aaron feels like the only kind of parental figure in his life, true parental figure in his life has now passed away, and he probably feels really lonely, so good for Shay on being able to, like, bring it back. Right, and then it kind of fast-forwards for the rest of the episode to 2017. On March 1st, this is when the trial for the double murder begins. Now, there's a lot of kind of interesting stuff that happens with this. The first one is that in his first murder trial, Shay and all of his family, like his mom, his actual mom and, you know, everybody, they all showed up for him. But in this one, Shay's the only one there. Right. And the only other time they show her with anyone else, it looks like it's probably her friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like his mom's not there or anything. Well, Terry's a little bit of a dumpster fire. Yeah, we'll get to that phone call in a second. But I want to talk about uh, Jose Bias real quick. (gasps) Hmm. This might ring a bell because if you're familiar with true crime, as y'all are, obviously, if you're here, hello. (laughs) Jose Bias was also the attorney on the Casey Anthony case. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And that's not an episode we have done yet. Um, (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) We have been asked. We have. I need to mentally prepare, and that's probably going to be like at least a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. <laughs> at least, because there is so much with that case, but let's not even start because I won't stop. No. Okay. So, yes, 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 yes. All right. So, we got Jose Bias here. He wants the focus to be on Alexander Bradley, of course. Right. Because Alexander Bradley is the only, like, they're like, okay, this car. And that this is where I got confused as well. Cause they like at the beginning, they were like, it matches the description of a car in this other case. And I'm like, did they have license plates? I'm unsure. They kind of mention here in this part, like about license plates. And I'm like, is it really? Because I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know if the stoplight he was at had security footage or anything like that. They don't discuss that. Any kind of cameras, which. Let's be really honest here. If they had the license plate, if they had the license plate of it, right, they would have already gotten him for those murders because they would have connected the license plate to Aaron Hernandez. The car is in his name, Mm -hmm. which let's be honest, if it really was his car, if it, it was him in this car, you would think that it had been over a year. Wouldn't he have sold that car? Right. Just saying. Just a little nest, little egg for you. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, the this this annoyed me as a person with tattoos. Oh. Because I'm like, this is a stretch. Yeah. This is a stretch. So the prosecution wants to bring up some tattoos that Aaron got in the process. He had gotten a gun, like a gun barrel, a shell or some shell casings, and then also the words, God forgives, and it was backwards. They try to say that all of his other tattoos had so much meaning because he has a memorial for his dad and this and that. So this is his way of confessing that he killed these people. Mm, is it? Because like, here's my thought on that. Aaron very much wanted to be a gangster. And what is more gangster than a smoking gun? I just thought that was full of shit. I just feel like I, I don't know. I don't know many murderers personally. And this is where Tara's like mini. <laughs> I don't know any murders personally that I've like that are convicted. So for in my mind, he did have tattoos that meant something. So why get a tattoo that would mean that and then run the risk of someone going, well, what does that mean? It doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I just I thought that was a bit of a reach. Right. I did, too. I get that. It's like a, it's a similar gun. It's a similar casing. 
he literally could have just said, I just want a gun and some of this and that on me. And then they drew it up like, we don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they asked that. The tattoo artist was there, but I don't know if they asked him that or not or whatever. Like, you know. Right. And they imply that because Aaron Hernandez is like tatted up that he's a bad person because he has tattoos, which I'm like, that's fucked up because I have tattoos and I'm not a bad person. You have tattoos and you're not a bad person. Your husband has tattoos. My husband doesn't like tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) But so many people have tattoos. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Right. And I I think that tattoos today are more commonplace than you think. It's like dyeing your hair. It's just such a common thing to have. Yeah. It's kind of like you're like, who doesn't have tattoos? Right. I feel like it used to be that only like certain people had tattoos, but now it's become such a thing that like everybody has them. Like I know grandmothers who get tattoos when they're grandmothers. Obviously, if the tattoo says, fuck everyone, I hate everyone, everyone die, then maybe you should judge that person. But like if it's like, I mean, he had a really good memorial for his dad, but then he also had like other tattoos that didn't look like it meant anything either. He had full sleeves and stuff on his hands like he had so many tattoos. I'm like, come on. Right. And I think that's why people were like, he is a wannabe gangster. He's tatted up. But I will tell you, like, as someone who has tattoos and has friends who are tattoo artists and is friends with lots of people who are tattooed, his tattoos are fucking legit. It's not like he has some sort of prison tat. I mean, I think he kind of has one on his neck now, but like, or had one, but like. Yeah, but like the sleeve ones, the ones they're talking about. They're fucking legit. And Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Like, okay, think about it like this. If you're a gun enthusiast and you're getting a gun tattooed on you, would you get your gun tattooed on you or just a random gun? Probably your gun. Because it's one you like, obviously. Right. He liked guns. So I just, you know. It's whatevs. Yeah, it's fine. And then they have this text message that the defense finds that Alexander sent to Aaron saying that essentially, oh, will you drop this lawsuit or this case or whatever if I forget who shot me type of thing? So that makes, you know, that's proving that your, quote, credible character witness is not so credible. Right. And the prosecution tried to play it off. And I thought that was weird. And Mm -hmm. the prosecution like really tried to make Alexander out to be this guy who is like, oh, he's a criminal, but like he's here to help. And I loved what Aaron's attorney said. He basically was like, the only reason that Alexander is sitting there is because he's telling on Aaron, like he's quote unquote telling on Aaron, like he's the one who should be over here for this. Because I mean, His whole thing is he didn't say anything about Aaron shooting him in the face. I'm sorry, but like, wouldn't it just be better to have some asshole thrown in jail and then have him killed in jail versus like, I just don't like Alexander Bradley. (laughs) Jessica's got all the opinions, but it's okay. (laughs) I love it. It's hard to take him seriously as the person it's like, one, you tell the police you forgot who shot you in the face. I'm sorry, but unless they hit your, like, short-term memory and, like, that's been disturbed, that's probably a really hard thing to fucking forget. Yeah, and he admits he he didn't forget, so, you know. Right, I mean, that text message is, like, if I, quote-unquote, forget. And Aaron's side of it is that the reason he felt like Alexander wanted to, like, get revenge is because how Alexander got shot in the face is it was a drug deal gone bad and Aaron is the one who made the connection. So he thought, I've accidentally gotten my friend shot in the face. I need to protect myself. And <laughs> was going crazy. He, di- he didn't go at it. Like from what I could tell is he wasn't going at it from the perspective of like, I shot this dude in the face. Yeah. But, you know, like here we are again. Like this happened last time and this time we have this like weak ass motive that they're trying to prove, you know, like they they aren't really sure and they keep changing their story. Right. And then they want to focus on his sexuality again. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck, like, let the dead horse die. Get over yourself. Stop it. Right. But this one was fucked up because it was like the prosecution was like trying to basically use his sexuality as the motive Mm -hmm. because he had like a pen pal or someone he talked to on the phone. But They were like, we're going to have to bring the whole thing up because we can't just bring in this one little bit about how he's so angry all the time without the context of everything else. 
Yeah, they were going to bring this person in. Essentially. And the one thing I love, there was a reporter that said this is like, you don't out somebody just to out somebody. And like, basically, the judge was like, you're just outing someone to out somebody because like you're grasping at straws because like it would make more sense if this is the story Alexander Bradley told is if like they were in a club. Aaron looked at a guy. They made eye contact. The guy made an advance on him. Alexander saw it. Aaron got mad and shoved him. And then Alexander calls him some derogatory names. He gets hyped up. Like, you're telling me that he went and shot two people because he got a drink spilled on him when, like, literally minutes before you're watching the surveillance tapes, it looks like Alexander's more mad than Aaron is. So you're saying that he waited for an hour to kill these people for a fucking drink that spilled on his clothes that he could probably throw away and buy new ones? From what it sounds like, it wasn't like the dude spilled the drink and then was like, fuck you. It sounds like they spilled the drink and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and then I mean, because even Alexander said that, like the guy was apologetic and everything. And Aaron was just like blowing things out of proportion. And we haven't seen that characteristic from him. Yeah. So the other lawyer Jessica mentioned that was talking about all this, his name is George. And luckily, like this gets thrown out, you know, like just said, like, so there's like, no, we're not fucking doing this. And George says that he's a gay man as well. And he has, you know, he has conversations with Aaron because he's his client. But they also have this one conversation he says that stuck out to him like the most. And it was when he was in his holding cell. And he said Aaron asked him if he thought someone was born gay or not. And then uh, said that it made him feel sad. He just said this really, you know, stuck out to him. And then something they touched on for a millisecond. I don't know the total details because, like I said, we just stuck with the docuseries. But with these kind of things, you always want to deep dive later. And I probably will. There's a quick, quick interview with his brother again because they keep cutting back and forth to this like Good Morning America type situation. And his brother is talking about I think it was his brother. It's his brother, DJ. Yeah. Yeah. His brother um, talks about. Aaron had been sexually abused by a male babysitter Mm -hmm. when they were younger. So they think he thinks or they say, you know, maybe that had something to do with this or this, quote, confusion. So there's that as well. And I know there's like there's been quite a few articles since that part came out. I haven't read up on it, so I don't really have too much commentary on that. But I mean, the anger and stuff could make sense. Right. It could also make it as if his sexuality was leaning so that he did like men, that having that at a young age could make it awkward because you just have this like fear. Are these true feelings or am I feeling this way because of that? And not being able to talk to people about it, because if Aaron went to like, he'd have to go to a therapist and obviously the therapist would have to sign like a non-disclosure agreement. But I just I just feel like he probably just never felt like he could get out because I think like today in 2020, Aaron could completely come out as a gay man in the NFL and have the support of his team. And I think the New England Patriots would probably be like, cool, it's fine. but. When he was going through all this stuff, that wasn't it. And obviously, like, he lost his father figure. His mother's replacement of a father figure is not a good one. And his father figure wasn't even accepting of that anyway, so. Right. And so one of the things I like about, like, I know you have issues with Dennis, but Dennis's dad, like, you could kind of see, like, Aaron could have probably gone to him Mm -hmm. and had that conversation and had that good fatherly talk that he probably really desperately needed. I hope that DJ, since he's an older brother, would have been there and supported him. I just wish that Aaron had gotten that and that he had had better friends, you know? Yeah, I feel like that all definitely plays into it. Yeah, it just it made me really happy in that conversation. And it's not that I don't like Dennis. It's just like I said, there's just something that doesn't sit right. But yeah, the conversation when they were talking about when Dennis finally does come out to his dad and stuff, that made me really happy that he was just like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. As long as they treat you right, I don't give a flying fuck. Because he's like, (laughs) he's like this very stereotypical, like tough guy from the East Coast the whole time. And I'm like... (laughs) what's going to happen right now. (laughs) So it just made me really happy. Oh my gosh. The one thing I love Dennis's dad. I do. I love his dad because like throughout the whole thing, you can tell he's accepting, but I love that 
like little like interaction between Dennis and his dad because at this point they're filming them sitting next to each other. And he's like, after this all came out, like my dad was like, no, Aaron's not gay. Like, you know, and he Dennis denied it right away. But then like a few months later, he's like, dad, I have to tell you something. And he told him. And it's like you could just tell like when his dad started talking again, there was like this sense of regret that he never really got a chance to like help, you know, and you could tell like that's and I mean, Tara's right. Like he looks like he should have been in the Sopranos. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And so I thought like at first I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And then it was like so loving and endearing. I was like, can every parent just be like him, (laughs) please? Every parent. (laughs) Yeah. That was great. I really liked that part. I did too. So now it was conviction time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what happened because probably like most of America at this point, it's like he was convicted the first time. So not as many people follow the second. And plus I was busy. My kid was a baby. So I was a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was like, wait a minute. No, I wasn't as young as I think I was, but my kid was a baby. So I was busy. This is just like three years ago. Oh, this is 2015. Oh, so it was five years ago. Well, I mean, no, because your baby is still a baby because she's will be eight this year. So if it was 2015. Yeah, she's two. She's a nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's a crazy person. Okay. Anyway, um, enough about that. So he was actually found not guilty for both murders. Mm-hmm. And he did have a reaction this time. Right. Which he just had. I think it was just because he was at this point expecting to get shit on again. Right. And just no one giving him a chance, no nothing. Right. And he was actually looked like he was crying or just like very emotional. I don't know if he's actually crying, but he was just very emotional looking. Right. And Joe Bias talked to him after and said he was really happy. And, you know, he was talking about his appeal that they were going to put in for the Odin murder. And then, you know, like stuff about the future, talking like when I get out, you know, like being optimistic. Very. They said that he changed, like he became super positive and was like, he was talking about the future. And I think they kind of slightly alluded to like, they kind of said like when he gets out or and like before. So like he had plans, you know, he was going to do something with his life. Like the thing is, he was going to be there for his daughter. Yeah, because at this point, she was four. Four. Yeah. And she's gorgeous. Oh, she's so beautiful. They showed her as a baby. And then all of a sudden they showed her like as a four year old. And I was like, she like she is the perfect blend of her mom and dad. And she's got like beautiful piercing eyes like her mom. I'm just like, you're the most adorable little girl. Like somebody get her into like baby gap modeling. She's adorable. She is. But then we go downhill. Oh, yeah. So there is a reporter. Her name is Michelle McPhee. She's a total cunt nugget. Yeah. Let me just tell you something. During this whole time, of course, the sexuality whole question is coming up during these court proceedings, but none of it is in the media. None of it. They've all kept it under wraps. Right. With all these reporters that are even there, they all have this mutual understanding of, you know, life's number one fucking rule. Don't be a dick. So nobody said anything about this when they easily could have, like probably day fucking one. Mm -hmm. Well, Michelle McPhee decided it was time to be the dick. She not only outs Aaron, but does it on public radio and just what you hear is just fucking disgusting. I'm sorry. Just how they're joking about it. And I understand the situation and I'm not being a fangirl, nothing like that. But he's still a fucking human being. And yeah, that's just something you took away from him, whether he killed people or not. And you shouldn't have fucking done it. Oh, a hundred percent. Like the quote in there that someone says is like, you don't out somebody to out somebody. One, it's dangerous and it's dangerous in prisons to be known as gay. And I mean, I saw Shawshank. Yeah. And then literally two days after this happens, Aaron's found in his cell and he has hung himself. Right. But they have some other things that they bring up that they find or discuss in terms of just him. One of them being that he had John 316 written across his forehead. Right. Which was interesting. I don't know really if he was like a religious person or if they were trying to tie that to like the other thing. I mean, he had a Bible, which I I get that most inmates do. Yeah. 
Or if they wanted to tie that to like the weed thing or what, like, because weren't they trying to say like, because it was like synthetic or something, which I'm like, I don't know what that means. Well, I thought it was interesting that he wrote John 316 on his forehead Mm -hmm. and then like they flashed to Tim Tebow. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, are you insinuating something here? Documentary people. That's rude. We just talked about not outing people. Let's not do that. Yeah. And then it's like they talk about the fact that he had smoked a bunch of synthetic weed, which I didn't realize you could get in prison. I mean, you can get all kinds of stuff in prison. I watched some documentary where they were like passing stuff through the toilets and all kinds of crazy stuff. This is true because I showed you a picture and I was like, (laughs) how does this guy's arm in a toilet? And you're like, oh, he's passing notes. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was some like um, documentary about like women and men locked up in like a prison in like Sacramento. (laughs) Oh, it's the one with the girl who has a tongue split. Yeah, yeah. But so I did look up and you can Google this and I didn't go past like the Google thing. But there is, I guess there is a some synthetic marijuana can cause psychosis. Okay, just throwing that out there. So maybe that's what they were alluding to. Well, because you have to look at it like his they. You listen to the last call he made, which is between him and Shay and their daughter, and he seems perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And then they tell you in the documentary that like guards were checking him hourly. Yeah. And then about four o'clock in the morning, he's found hanging. So it's like, I don't know if maybe he had some sort of like psychosis trip or psychotic trip or something happened because of the synthetic marijuana because they bring it up several times during that time is that he had done this and then he wrote three letters you know and the other thing is is that they bring up in this documentary is that um i hope you wrote it down because i cannot remember the name of it right now no i brought it up it's like where if he has an appeal going the law yeah yeah we can get to that in a second He wrote three letters. He wrote one to Shay. He wrote one to his lawyer. And then he wrote one to his daughter. And this is kind of where, because there's like a, there's a friend of Odin's that's interviewed throughout this. Mm -hmm. He brings up the point of, you know, people doing things, what they got to do to take care of their family, because there's one part in Shay's letter that I wrote it exactly how he did. And he put you're rich and underlined it a bunch of times. Right. People think, including, you know, this guy, that he maybe there was something going on in his brain where he thought if he did this, then his family would be good and, you know, they won't need him and whatever burden he's bringing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, will be gone because, you know, whatever kind of thing. Because then Shay and her daughter and their daughter would get the money Mm -hmm. that the NFL from his contract. Yeah, right. So yeah, there's that. And then interestingly enough, there's another turn of events. There's, you know, more. Mm -hmm. This is only in where they're at, Massachusetts. Yeah. And uh, it's called abatement. And this is if you die while your murder case is under appeal, the conviction would be erased from the record. They also think like, you know, maybe this was his one way to get his name cleared type of thing, too. Right. Because it's like if he clears his name, then they can get the money because it would be owed to them because he wasn't a convicted murderer. Mm -hmm. Right. From the NFL, which from my understanding, is still an ugly fight. Right. They talk about how some other guy came out that he was the last person to see Aaron alive, that he was some sort of, like, alleged lover in jail. His name is Kyle Kennedy. Again, it's like, I'm skeptical because it's like, you never know. You know he's getting paid for those interviews. hmm That's just my thought is, like, Aaron never came out and said, I'm gay or... I like men. And so for anyone else to do so, even that Dennis guy telling the story, it's kind of like, that's not your story to tell. Right, exactly. And again, and I hate to use the word defense, but it's like, it's not like Aaron has to defend himself, but like Aaron has passed. So Aaron can't say like, that's not true or that is true or I'm confirming. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that it came out that he was gay and then he killed himself a couple days later, everyone just automatically assumed yes. He killed himself because he couldn't live with the world knowing he was gay. Well, what difference does it make? Aaron Hernandez was going to spend the rest, most likely spend the rest of his life in jail and prison. And so to the population at large, it it didn't matter. Right. And so I know it, it bothers Shay. And I even have seen interviews after where she's talking about this documentary. And she's like, 
I just really hate that it was so heavy handed because she doesn't believe that it was, it's true at all. And I mean, it probably is really hard if you're in a loving relationship with someone and, you know, you feel like you're their whole world that, you know, it'd probably be more believable in her world if it was another woman. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speculate. Yeah. None of us will know. Like, we, no one will know for sure. Like, he's the only one who will know for sure. And he's gone. So Aaron was 27 years old when he died. Such a baby. I know. His brain actually ends up getting donated so they can study it to see if he possibly has CTE, which we talked about earlier. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And this gets sent over sent over to Boston University to Dr. Anne McKee. This whole like kind of studying the brains and stuff like this, it seems like kind of fell in her lap, but she's like amazing at what she does. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. The findings is like, holy fucking shit with his brain. Right. She said he has very advanced damage, especially for how young he was. Right. Oh, my God. Yes. Like very alarming like you can look at if you watch the documentary i'm sure even if you just google it you could find probably a side by side between a quote normal brain and his brain it's insane yeah there's like where like the normal brain has these like it's way more filled in aaron's brain is like completely and totally like it's shrunken there's huge gaps like i don't want to pretend that i know anything about the brain because i know zero about the brain but even just like looking at it you're like Oh, something's wrong with that. Right. Yeah. And he also had damage to his frontal lobes as well. And then she believes that all of this damage had been kind of like building up for the last 10 years of his life, if not more. Right. Which is just a decade. That's so long. Oh, my God. Yes. Because he started playing football young. Like, he started playing football really young. And this is where, like, parents didn't... I mean, it's not that they didn't care, but parents didn't know about this. They didn't know that helmets... Like, now, helmets are a lot more... I mean, Concussion, the movie, like, brought a lot of this shit out. And, you know, people are looking into, like, making sure that they design helmets to protect this. And it's, like, there's talk about, like, in the next hundred years, will football even really be a thing? Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the Super Bowl like anyone else, but like, I don't want someone to be hurt. I don't want someone's brain to be like that. Yeah. And then, of course, because, you know, we've done both sides the whole time. The other side with this, some people like they'll acknowledge that obviously he's had the brain damage and stuff like that. But they're like, yeah, but, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people have played football and they've gotten concussions and they've had this and that, but not Every athlete goes out and kills people or does this and that. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But that's like saying not everyone with mommy or daddy issues goes out and becomes a Ted Bundy. Like, you can't really say that. Right. It's kind of the perfect storm. Like, you look at the Mm -hmm. fact that he's had these brain injuries. He's had an injury to the part of his brain that affects how he makes decisions. Like, yeah. You know, and then you add the fact that he was doing like a drug, like come at me if you think marijuana is not a drug, but it's labeled as that. It causes an impairment. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you could even think about that with like alcohol, like just the impairment of it. Like the fact that you like your judgment is already taken like down because you're inebriated in some aspect and you take that into account with the fact that part of his brain is damaged. And so like he's operating on like very primal, like Mm-hmm. He's not thinking like someone who is a 22-year-old who's reasoning. He's thinking like a 15-year-old who gets scorned. Right. Yeah, he's not thinking clearly and he's just having all these like rash decision making happening. So, you know, and Dr. McKee said that all makes sense for all this damage he has. Like this is to be expected. Like, right. As bad as that sounds, this is to be expected that he was acting so reckless in all of his decisions, you know, and just so like random. If you look at that and like you take into the fact, like when we talked about the downtown posse, like how there was like this group mentality and this group think and like group like behavior of these young, these young individuals. And then you take Aaron Hernandez and you put him with people who the way they interact in the world is violent. The way they interact in the world is not like rational and thought out and law abiding. And you put someone who's not functioning and decision making. It's a perfect storm. And Aaron Hernandez had a lot of fucking enablers in his life. He had people that just looked the other way. 
and who knows, like, who knows how much of it, like, Shay even really knew about, like, his friends. Like, maybe she didn't know the extent of it. I'm sure she doesn't want these two guys who were part of killing her sister's boyfriend, you know, holding her baby. I'm I'm sure she wasn't like, yeah, it's awesome. But you, you also have to look at the fact that, like, Aaron didn't have someone who was like, dude, what are you doing in his life? Like, you look at the fact, like, look at his mom. Like, his mom was such a dumpster fire. Just give me a million dollars. Oh, my God. I wanted to, like, punch the TV. She literally, he gets a $40 million contract. And I'm I'm going to make an assumption. I don't know how this works. Do they get $40 million a year or is it, like, over a span of time? I don't know. I don't know. Someone please tell me. I don't know these things. Help us. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I don't follow the NFL, like, how they get paid. Like, yeah. But anyway, but he's like, I got a $40 million contract. And the first thing his mother tells him is, if you give me a million dollars, I'll be set for life and you don't have to worry about me and give me nothing else. Who the fuck tells their kid? Someone who, by the way, hasn't really been a parental unit to this kid. Mm -hmm. Give me some of your money. A large amount of your money at that. And I will be good. Like, I look at people like, you know, the celebrities out there who spend their money like really well and they, you know, send kids with needs to like Disneyland or they like, what is LeBron James just paid for a bunch of kids to go to college? Like shit like that. And it's like, great. But like, I've never heard of any, I'm sure this happens, but I've never heard anyone be like, yeah, my mom asked me for a million dollars. So that's where one of my million dollars went. Like, you know. Jesus fuck. Yeah. I was just like, get the fuck out of here. Right. And then he's like talking to his mom and he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, no, I didn't have a million dollars in that moment to give you. So I'm like, oh, my God, woman. Right. Just oh, appalling. Oh, and then we um we have one last update that we get that happened just this last year in 2019 on March 13th. The Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts actually reinstated his conviction. They decided that the abatement was just outdated and didn't apply to life now. Right. And this is in terms of Odin Lloyd's murder. So even though he's dead and everything, like he officially is convicted of this murder. I just want to say too, like Odin's mom, oh my God, she just... Mm, that just pulled in my heart. She is such a strong woman. Like, oh, for sure. She handled everything with such strength. And just the fact that she talked about how she forgave Aaron and forgave anybody else who was involved and things like that. And that she, like, you know, hopes his soul is at rest and things like that just speaks magnitude volumes of what kind of woman she is. Right. And I'm assuming at some point, like, Odin talked to her about him. And I think Aaron was just like a lost little puppy that just kind of went away. And I get it. Like, I know some people automatically go, just get fangirls over murderers and shit like that. And she's compassionate. But I really try to break it down and look at like where this person came from. Because the truth is, is that this is something my husband and I have talked about. Like anyone can be a murderer. There are circumstances. Like if you don't think you can, just take a minute and think about in your life. There are circumstances that would drive you to kill. Like if I had a child and somebody killed my child, there's a huge possibility that's going to flash between my eyes. And it's like you have the impulse or the impulse not taken. Like, you know, I think you just you try to look at it as just try to get an understanding of their background and everything. Like, hello, we know the BTK and we know Ted Bundy are both pieces of shit. We both say that. It's not like you're like, oh, my God, Ted and Dennis were great. <laughs> but I mean, you have to look at like the BTK, like he was a loving father. There's the duality of mankind that wraps up. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't resist the impulse. Yeah. Like they get it in their head. And instead of somebody going or internally or having someone externally go, no, they just do it. And they are like, I'm not resisting this. Yeah. And I think, Aaron, it was just like a perfect storm. It was the fact that he socially was immature. He he was way behind on that curve. He was impaired a lot. And he just ran with some really bad people. I mean, the fact that he was friends with someone like Alexander Bradley. Hello. Like, yeah, it's it's bad. I think it's sad all around for everybody involved, for all three murder victims, for Aaron, for all the families, for everybody. I think it's just, it's all bad. You know, it's just, it's sad. So that is going to wrap us up here 
for our recap table discussion on Aaron's docuseries. Again, it's on Netflix if you would like to watch it. If you haven't, uh, Jessica and I were behind on the times on that. Thank you for real life being crazy. Um, (laughs) But we got asked about five or six times. So we were like, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. And you also think like every time that there is some like a docuseries comes out, there's like six docuseries that comes out. And you're like, oh, my God. What about what do we do? Which ones do we do? And so it's, sometimes it's like it's better to take a beat and you guys be like this one. And then we'd be like, OK, yeah, we really like getting input from you guys on what you want to listen to, because this show is for you. Mm-hmm. So even if you're like, I don't know, like worried, we're going to be like, eh, that's damn. No, we're not like more than likely we're going to be like, yes, like their only chance might be is of like you're a newer listener and maybe we covered it like a year and a half ago because like at this point the show's almost two years old so you know it happens no big deal right if you guys have suggestions ever please just let us know like you know we're easy to reach on all the socials and on the Facebook group especially we love the feedback on what you guys want to hear about mm-hmm. and if you have any when you're hearing this like that you're like oh my god please do this please let us know because we're gonna get ready to game plan for our next little like block because you know we're crazy people and we plan out like three months at a time so let us know and i think that's the other thing that happens is that we get to a point where we've scheduled everything out and then a docuseries comes out and everyone's like do the docuseries and you're like what can we bump because that's basically how this one came is we basically bumped something yes we did but yeah uh that's really all we got if you love us so much please rate and review us five stars on apple podcasts or pod chasers or the facebook page we would much appreciate it all those ratings do help us bump up for visibility and let people know that about our show and you know our little spooster community we got and of course always let your friends know about us as well um you can find us on all the socials just search three spooked girls or head to the link tree below but that is all we have have a good day guys bye bye